Welcome to Season 2 of the Adult Children Voices Across America Speakers Meeting Podcast. You can attend this meeting live on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Pacific Time using the Zoom ID 848-5208-0640, password 061120. For more information about adult children of alcoholics and dysfunctional families, visit adultchildren.org. The following speaker share from Tammy M. was recorded on September 30th, 2021. So I am Tammy. Um, I, as um, Gretchen said, I am from Lafayette, Louisiana. Yes, we just had hurricanes over here. Yes, we are still rebuilding, and it's going to be a long time before they get it all together again. Um I came in to, when Dottie, and thank you all for asking me to share my experience, strength, and hope uh, with the ACOA program. I came into ACOA about eight years ago, and um, and, and I'll state this, uh, my first recovery is Al-Anon, and uh, I do a great deal of service to Al-Anon as well and to ACOA when I'm asked, and to AA when I'm asked there as well. Um, so I'm going to back up and I'll give you just a little bit of the story. When I was finishing up uh, a lot of my uh, work in Al-Anon, my, my four steps, and I'd done multiple four steps and just work and work and work. What I found at about the five-year mark was I was still very angry and bitter. And I could still be vicious and I couldn't figure out why. And then somebody handed me the laundry list. And I went, oh, my God, I'm all of them. And when I went into recovery, I, I didn't really realize I was affected by the disease of alcoholism. But now I can introduce myself to you guys as I am the I'm the adult child of adult children of alcoholics. So I'm the grandchild. And so. um as, as my recovery process lengthened in time, I'm going to read. This is on. This is in our um, our our daily reader. This is on July the 20th, because I'm a firm believer that once we've gone through recovery, at some point in time, for me, I live in step six and seven, which brings me to everyday issues in life. And so I was reading this because I was having an issue and it says emotional intoxication In his next frontier article, Bill W. wrote, if we examine every disturbance we have, great or small, we will find at the root of it some unhealthy dependency and its consequent unhealthy demand. That's on the big red, page, the big red book, page 628. Growing up in a dys dysfunctional home meant that chaos was normal. As a result, we may have become adults who did not feel at ease when things were calm. We may have craved drama and excitement on such a subconscious level that we were drawn to it without realizing the reason why. In recovery, we gain the clarity to see that out of our craving for intensity, we are finding a form of comfort by continually recreating our childhood atmosphere. But even though this chaos felt familiar, re recovery teaches us that our vulnerable, vulnerable and wounded child needs were not being met. By attending meetings and listening to the voices of other adult children, we learn that we are not alone. 
when we work the program, we cultivate two essential qualities in our lives, courage and self-esteem. Through the 12 steps, we learn to let go and turn our will and our lives over to a higher power of our understanding. When we do this, we find that gradually the desire for emotional intoxication will leave us. On this day, I free myself from the cycle of emotional intoxication by listening to my higher power's guidance. I deserve balance, which I get by practicing my program in all areas of my life. And in Al-Anon, we practice these principles in all of our affairs. (laughs) So when I went into the ACA program, it took my Al-Anon recovery to a whole new level. And what I realized was um, I had to go do some work with some therapists because I needed to get to the core issue of where I had been because I couldn't see the abandonment. You know, I grew up with a good family. I knew we had, you know, there was drugs and alcohol with my brothers. And that's how it developed itself in my family. It came out through my brothers. Uh, My brothers are all very high functioning. And um, and I don't drink. I've been married three times. Uh, so, and by the second time I was like, oh my God, there's something just so wrong with me. Something's wrong and I cannot figure it out. And when I realized, um, I had been affected by the disease of alcoholism and this dysfunction that we have by this time I had put a son in, um, a halfway house and I had another son who was in high school going into treatment. And my husband, we've been married, we've been married 30 years. He decided to go back into recovery. He didn't drink, but, you know, it it was a dry drunk atmosphere. And so I grew up in a dry drunk atmosphere. I grew up in an adult child, an adult child atmosphere. Um, At the age of 12 is the point where the abandonment took place in, in my household, where I ended up, my parents ended up just. Uh, negating their roles, and they put me in a, in a role of an authority. And as that grew out, there was a whole lot of confusion, and there's a lot of anger, and there's a lot of control issues with that. And what I've realized is that in my family, you know, y'all all know the, the the rules. We don't talk. You know, we don't we don't talk. We don't feel anything. We don't say anything. I was the child that would just fade out into the background. And what I've realized is that attending ACOA like I am is I'm getting to this, the chronic loss and shame and fear of my disease. Where did my losses take place? And why am I feeling the way that I am? See, that was what I was looking for. Why am I reacting to these situations like I was? Uh, Because I could get very volatile, not physically, but I, you know, I'm all of five foot tall. And, you know, when I get wound up and going in my disease, I grow to be six foot five, you know, and, and I'm loud and boisterous. Um, and what I have found working the ACOA program. So I have done, uh, I've done the, the yellow workbook minimal of four times. Plus I take girls through it. I've done the trait workbook twice. And now, because I just ordered this lovely new book, I'm starting it, and I ordered my husband one, and we'll be going through it together. So we are a recovery house. And when I read that thing about the emotional intoxication, 
anything that disturbs me today for me, that's step six and seven. That's the God of my understanding showing me saying, Tammy, there's something wrong and you need to look at it every single day. The whole process for me was learning that I needed to let God get bigger than the little box I like to put him in. And he needed to start growing bigger than my disease and my, 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 my loved one's disease. And I needed to be more than just the disease. And um, because, you know, the, this, this disease that we have, this it's mind, body, spirit. You know, it, it's, it's the whole body. I'm not blaming my parents any longer. Uh, for a long time, I was, I was extremely angry with my dad. Uh, and I had to get through the anger and the rage of that with my, my therapist. Now, by the way, guys, my therapist is an AA member who worked Al-Anon, who is an ACOA member. So when I went looking, I went looking because I, I and I brought her everything I was doing and I needed to stop blaming everybody because what I realized was this is a generational disease because what my dad did to me when he put me in charge, when he circumvented my mother out of a, 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 a maternal role or a hierarchy role in the family and he put me in control was done to him at the same age, exactly the age of 12. So he became a parent at the age of 12. And my mother became a parent at the age of eight of other siblings. So it really is a multifaceted disease where it does really follow the generations down the down down the road. With this disease, um, I needed to start taking care of myself. I needed to get to the loss and go through the grieving process, which is our yellow workbook and our trait workbook when we start healing and the flip sides of the traits. You know, when we're coming through, um, when we're working through the traits, to me, that's about getting to the core, one of the core issues of what do I believe in today? Is it somebody else's belief that I need to undo? Because when I did my fear inventories and my shame inventories, what I realized was I had to give back a lot of fears that were no longer mine. I had to give it back and actually realize what were my fears? What was my shame to carry? And was there shame for me to carry? You know, um, I, I know in this program, guilt will make me go to my my. Uh, my sponsor, if I'm not doing something just right, it's like, you got to go talk to somebody and reason things out. You know, um, I do have, uh, an ACOA sponsor. Um, my ACOA home group is, uh, we meet every Saturday night, uh, here at St. Patrick's in Lafayette. And, um, I do a very small red book study just with, with my girls online, and then we meet on Monday nights. There's an ACOA meeting here as well. Um, what I didn't realize growing up is there were no boundaries. All my boundaries had been obliterated. I was never taught them. So I needed to learn what good, healthy boundary looks like. I needed to learn, I needed to learn what physical abuse looked like, mental abuse looked like, and what sexual abuse looked like. Uh, because at the time when I was 12, when that abandonment issue, when, when they, when my parents just kind of let go of things, 
what it did for me was it put me in a surrogate wife position of having to take care of the house and my dad and everything, even though my mother still lived there. Um, and it set up a lot of conflict with my mother and I. And so I've, I've learned to have to peel back those layers and not blame my mom or my dad. Um, I will give you um, a small taste of some of the recovery when I did an amends to my mother. Um, my mother had been sick for a long time, 30 years, probably cancer on and off. And I, I was always the caregiver, just about, you know. And this last time I was very angry and um, with my mother as well, going through this process. Finally, when I got up the courage and I looked at my, my sponsor and I said, I need to go make an amends to my mother. And we were working in the yellow book and, you know, some other stuff. And um, she said, no, you're not, you're not there yet, Tammy. You know, you're like on step five and six and you, you're not at step nine. And I said, well, I'm just telling you, I, I'm being driven to do this. And get, we meet, we meet again the next week. And I go, I really need to make an amends with my mom. I'm, I, you know, and, and God was pushing me by this time. And so she said, no. And then by the third time I was like, no, I'm going to, we, we, you have to show me what I need to do. Cause I need to do this. And, and I'm only telling you this because it was by the grace of the God in this ACOA program that when I made the amends to my mother, I didn't bring up any blame or any of that. And my amends went like this, mom, I owe you an amends because I didn't treat you like the loving child of God. You deserve to be treated like, you know, you deserved better from me as an adult child and a better from me now that I know better. How can I make it up to you? If it's within my power, what can I do? And we cried about it. Now, I'm only telling you this because two months later to the day, my mother passed away. And what was so cool about this process was I was able to stay those last two months. I stayed every night with her while she was uh, in hospice care. And then I would get up and I'd go to work in the morning and I'd stay with her at night. And because of the gift of this program, because of working the steps and doing the work that I needed to do to heal the small wounded person inside of me, to know that it, you know, my mother was just as wounded growing up and my parents were just as wounded. They just carried their, their bag on their backpack. You know, we all carry our backpack. Um, and so that, that was, you know, it was very humbling to watch God work in that instance. What I did realize was, and that's what I told God after she passed away, I said, I really wanted more time. And he said, I gave you just what you needed, Tammy. You didn't need any more. I gave you just what you wanted, what you needed to do, you know, for your mother to be at peace or for you to be at peace. And I said, well, okay. And by that time, I'm working on, right, so shortly after my mother passed away, I start working on this uh, fear and flight response that I had. And it came down to, I needed to start undoing some core beliefs, core beliefs that I'm not enough, that I am shame, you know, um, 
And because of that, when I did a shame inventory, I gave those some of those shames back where they belonged and I didn't pick them back up. And I, I realized that um, fear was a driving force in my life. But another driving force was in my family growing up. We were very punitive with each other, verbally, emotionally, physically. And one of the reasons why I read that reading tonight is because over the last two months, I have worked, I have been working through an issue and it took God six weeks to get me to that reading. And then I went to warranty four, which talks about punitive. And I went, Oh, I want, I want to hurt them, (laughs) you know, and it's not, it's not, I'm laughing, but at the time, all I wanted to do because they had created this particular person created so much pain in me. I just wanted to lash out at somebody. And my recovery program says, no, no, you have to sit with it for a little bit. You got to go do the work. So I'd gone to my, my sponsor and she's like, well, it sounds like you have some work to do. And I said, yeah, I said, I'll be back in touch with you when I get to the root, (laughs) you know? And so I went through the process and literally because it was so hidden and underneath, all I could see was that person not doing what I wanted, the way that I wanted it. What I didn't realize was the reactive part of me was reacting. The little girl in me was like, oh, no, you sucker. And see, for me, I'll just wipe you out by the juggler. I'll just take a knife and just I just want to wipe everybody out because they're creating pain. And what I realized was I just couldn't say anything about it. I had to let, let pray a whole lot and release it. I had to do a lot of journaling. So that meant I've been doing six weeks of at least that amount of journaling. And I had to to reason things out with multiple people, not just one sponsor. I mean, I had to go to multiple meetings. I was probably going to four or five meetings a week, you know, and touch a base with people. And what I've realized is I cannot, I can't run anymore from these feelings. I just have to work through them. And I don't want, I'm tired of hurting people that I love just because they react in a way that I don't deem appropriate. Now, I do not accept inappropriate behavior. Um, And if something is coming up for me, like even if my husband and I are dealing with the issues, I, I have no problem saying stop. I'll come back to you later. I'll let you know when I'm ready to discuss that. And take it in prayer to the God of my understanding and do some journaling and find out where God wants me to go with it. Because my husband, too, is an adult child of adult children. (laughs) So we have a very interesting household some days, you know, and um, I've learned to speak my truth when it comes out. I don't have to be uh, vicious and angry and bitter anymore. I can just state it. And I don't have to really wait, wait for a response anymore. I don't have to wait for somebody to acknowledge it. I have learned just to state it and say, you know, that's what I got, you know, uh, in my marriage today, as in with most of my life, uh, in the last, you know, 12 years has been a series of compromises from one extreme to the other where it's not vacillating so hard and I'm slowly finding the balance. And I am very grateful for this program. Um, I can't really, um, uh, I can't wait to get into the the new workbook. It's, um, it's been very humbling. Um, 
I stopped, I stopped betraying myself. I stopped applying the shame that was given to me so many years ago. And I learned to start owning myself and putting not myself first, but myself first. You know, I will put God first, then me, and then, then I'm capable of doing others. If I do not put the God of my understanding first, now let that God of my understanding can be a man, woman, child, spirit, flow. I can look at a butterfly and go, oh, look, there you are. It can be anything I need it to be at that point in moment. Um, and, and, and I'm very grateful that it's a true loving God. Now, when I did the therapy with my sponsor, with my uh, therapist, she and I did a lot of adult issues. You know, we went back through time and I got my little 12 year old that was so abandoned, you know, and uh, we walked her down the aisle, you know, down a little wooden path. And I put her in a little safe place with the older me that's about 80 years old, you know, 90, you know, that's baking cookies. She's in a very safe place. Every now and then my teenagers come up to rattle my cage, you know, and every now and then I got a 28 year old that'll come up and rattle my cage. But um, for the most part, I am realizing that a lot of people that I come in contact with are affected by the disease. It's by the disease of alcoholism or dysfunction in some way, shape, or form. I work with 27 women in my office, and every single one of them is affected by the disease. And I wouldn't have known that years ago because I would have never had the courage to have conversations with these women. And to me, that's what's so important about these meetings that we have right here. It's one woman reaching out or a man reaching out to another woman saying, come with me. I can't show you what to do, but I can show you what I did. And I can help you breathe through the process because it's painful. You know, when we go back and we look at what the, the damage that I've done, you know, and to correct that is to be very loving to myself and to be very loving to those around me. Um, I don't, you know, that false self person, that person that's angry, vicious, and bitter, um, that person cannot relate to God in a healing process. What I've realized is the only thing that can relate to the God of my understanding is that true innate person that is, that resides in each one of us and that, that connection right there. You know, in AA, they talk about there's a corroding thread that runs ribbon through my life. So I have an AA sponsorship. I go through the big book once a year with a group of women. I'm not AA, but, you know, I go through it because I, I act just like them in a dry, drunk situation. I'm emotionally, you know, intoxicated. And so I've realized that we really are all connected and that I don't this program offers the golden, the golden thread that overlays the corroding thread. Let me put it that way. And so as, as we do the program and we're healing, because really it's a healing process that we're going through. I'm not just stating I'm powerless. I'm allowing the spirit of this fellowship to come in and heal me, you know, and what's really cool about it is <laughs> I, I took my dad out to Father's Day this year. Now, what I didn't tell you guys is that when I came into ACOA, I almost severed 
all relationships in my family. I wouldn't have anything to do with anybody. One, my mother had just passed away and I had watched all that mass chaos after death that happens with a family because you just don't ever think it'll happen to yours, you know, uh, and I was wrong. And what happened, what's really cool is um, to watch the healing process in me and me to be able to reach out now and ask my dad if I could take him to lunch and spend some time with him. Now, I still can only spend a short amount of time, you know, uh, because I can go back into O behavior and I know that. And I want to be loving, kind and forgiving. And the way that I do that is I protect myself with the boundaries, you know, um, and it's really cool because we had a neat conversation about daddy, how did you grow up? How did mama grow up? Cause I say, I don't get to ask my mom now, you know, but I get to ask my dad, you know, and, um, it, it was, it was unique because he said, you know, he said, I became the adult at 12 and I went, Hmm, I said, so the family, it just, there it was in black and white, you know. Um, I'm grateful that w- that this program has taught me not to resist recovery. Um, I can turn to it and go through the fires with everybody else, you know, because that's what we're doing. We're going through the fire to heal and coming out, rising out of the ashes, going, I'm here. Okay, this is a new me. Now what do I do? Hence, that's where step six and seven come in. You know, I keep asking God, help me with all these, you know, this this stuff that I may or may not understand or may not even know that's hidden there yet. You know, because this this disease is very cunning and baffling. Um, It's always around. It never takes a break, you know, and it will always, like I tell my, well, I tell my my sponsees, it's going to throw me a curveball right down the center. You know, it's going to spin it some way and I'm going to go, oh, my God, Um, I I know, you know, at some point in time, I used to think recovery should be pain free and it's not. It's not the only way to heal is for me to go through the pain so that I can give that pain and the fears and the shame and the doubt and the confusion all up to a God of my understanding. That's loving, kind, and that's going to treat me like a child of God. And have my loving parent come in and say, it's going to be okay. We can do this. We can do this together. And you're not going to break. We are all warriors in here. Every single one of us in this room. We are all warriors. We are survivors. Well, you know, I love you guys, but I don't want to survive just anymore. I want to thrive and enjoy life and be okay with who I am. And if that means... I get to walk through the pain a little bit more than I'm going to walk through it and I'm going to heal, you know, and God will let me know when it's time for me to do some work. Just like six weeks ago, I had to do a lot of work. You know, I don't think we ever stop doing the work. Um, I stop, you know, whether when we have loss and trauma, I'm doing some trauma work with the body. I'm healing the body. I'm doing, doing some things with that because I do believe the body holds memory. I think our muscles hold memory, uh, just like our minds hold memory. And so I'm doing some work with that. Um, I don't stop the tears nowadays if they flow. Uh, I'm not a big, big crier. So when you see me crying, it's it's an ugly cry. It's not a pretty cry um, because I cry for everything that I haven't cried for 
in the past, you know, um, I'm okay to acknowledge my losses that I'm not perfect today. I no longer have to be that perfect person. I don't chase excitement anymore. I like very calm, steady, every mundane day-to-day stuff. I'm okay with it. You know, uh, if COVID taught me nothing else, I could, I could retire now and I'd be happy. (laughs) You know, at one point in time, I needed to work four jobs and, you know, raise four kids and, you know, that no longer works. That type of drive just is not there in me anymore. One, I'm older, but it, it's just not there once I've worked through some, you know, the issues. Um, this program has taught me to have prudent reserves. You know, we, it, it talks about in our, in our traditions and our, and our warranties and all of that, that we should uh, maintain. How do we maintain healthy reserves? You know, how do I have three or four, you know, I don't need to be overly abundantly, but I need to be self-supporting. You know, uh, when, when Dottie asked me to speak, I was like, yes, I'll do that. That's being self-supporting being, I'm giving to you, but I'm y'all are giving back to me, you know, because I'm going to stay and listen. It's a give and take. And you see in my family, we didn't always give and take like this. And what I hear when I come in here is acceptance. Like when I can walk into any ACOA room and just breathe. It's like you, you just take this deep breath. And I didn't breathe. I don't think forever until I walked into ACOA, even doing my Al-Anon as much as I did, you know, and now ACOA just comes with me. It just, it just, it's a, you know, all of my girls, if I'm sponsoring Al-Anon, they all go end up in ACOA. <laughs> they all do because I think it's all interconnected. You know, I didn't work the AA you know, I can work the AA steps. I just don't drink. That's not my issue. You know, I have all the other issues, you know. Um, I'm learning to stop judging my recovery and anybody else's recovery, you know, because I don't have the right to judge that because that can create pain in myself and anybody else. Um, I'm learning to move from shame to have more self-worth. Um I move from secrecy to honesty. Uh, I'm moving from loneliness to connectivity uh, and self-worth from silence to having a voice. You know, when I did a fear inventory, y'all going to laugh because fear number one was public speaking. And that's funny, right? Because <laughs> here I am. So I've learned to let go of the, ta- the, the attachments in my life of what I thought happiness looked like. You know, what, 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 you know, what does happiness look like for me? It's just a quiet evening at home with my feet propped up, having a good meal, (laughs) you know, going on a road trip, you know, I'm going to be doing a a workshop in with some women in recovery in North Louisiana in November. That's a great time. You know, at one time in my life, I just said, you want me to do what, you know, so I look forward to those, um, those recovery aspects that God pulls me to do, that the spirit of this program pulls me to do. And, um, and I'm grateful for it. You know, I think we start letting go of that shield that we hide ourselves behind and we start being vulnerable and start being open. You know, I think the greatest thing I ever did was to write uh, a forgiveness letter to myself multiple times. Um, to let to let this 
the person here, that innate child in me, to know that I still loved her and that I could be there for her and that I could forgive myself, that we could do this together and we could be a whole person. You know, we don't have to be fragmented all over the place. Um, you know, we just kind of free fall through some of this stuff. We just start transforming our lives. And that's what recovery does in the ACOA to me. It just starts moving us um, through the pain and we start healing. And those, those wounds, those triggers that used to trigger me, when something triggers me today, I... If I react, you won't know it, but my insides will know it. Just like the situation when I had to reach out to my sponsor and she was like, no, you can't say anything about it. You just have some work to do. You got to go figure out why you got triggered, you know, and what did it remind you of? Who did it remind me of in my childhood that maybe I didn't work on, you know, in recovery? So, um, you know, we go from viciousness and bitterness you know, and we start looking for the fruits of the spirit in here. You know, what, what are they? It's gentleness. It's unselfishness. It's, it's love. It's joy. It's peace. It's gratitude. I do a gratitude list. I mean, that, you know, it's, I, I am being disciplined every single day by the spirit of this fellowship. And that holds me accountable for the way that I treat people. You know, I don't have the right to create pain in anybody's life. And that's what this program has taught me. What's safe to do, what's not safe to do. Where, you know, that's what it's taught me. And to honor my own boundaries, I use the traditions. I know you're going to laugh, but that's how I learned to set boundaries, uh, to hold myself accountable for my behavior. Um, so we have. Um, How do, how do you guys respond to day-to-day -day living? You know, when we're out in the real world, what do you do? Because uh, working with 27 women, what I've realized is, and, uh, you know, there's a prayer that I pray, y'all you know, do it, you know. But in the morning when on, and on the way when I'm driving and just before I cross over the threshold <laughs> in my office, I'm like, God, please open my mind, my heart, my lips, my hands, my feet to your will. Let your will be done today. Keep your hand with me. Keep me safe. Keep me from harm so that I don't cause pain today. You know, because I'm tired of hurting and I'm tired. Of, I was tired of hurting everybody else. And so I work the program. I don't work it perfectly. You know, um, uh, I, I have to I had to let go of power and prestige. What does that look like? You know, because in my family, that's what I grew up with. It's all about the money. It's all about who, you know. And really, that doesn't matter to me. I'd rather help somebody than, than worry about all that. I just need enough for whatever God gives me to do. That's what I need. That, that's my reserve. I need enough energy. How much energy do I wake up today with? God's going to give me the exact amount of energy that I need to do what he wants me to do, to be of service to, to you guys and to my fellow humans, you know? So, um, I could go on and on and on, but I'm not. I'm going to stop. And I appreciate you all for letting me share. Um, Dottie has my number. If y'all ever need me, 
you ever want to talk, you ever, whatever, we can do whatever. I'm always available. Dottie knows how to get in touch with me. Uh, thank you for allowing me. Thank you for asking me. Thank you for your precious time. So, and I'm Tammy. I love you.